if you want to produce very different kind of stories that that are not sensational, but more about the everyday structural realities around us, you have to start with changing the economic incentives behind it. Success in online journalism can be a tricky thing, but one European news outlet thinks it has a winning business model that will translate to big success here in the U.S. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. The Correspondent is a Dutch-language online journalism platform providing background, analysis, and investigative reporting, all of which is being done ad-free. Based on its initial success in the Netherlands, The Correspondent is hoping to launch an English-language version here in the States next year. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Rob Weinberg, The Correspondent's founding editor, about his publication and how it's different from other news outlets. I started by asking about the development of The Correspondent. So, The Correspondent in the Netherlands got started with the crowdfunding. Uh, we said we want to start a daily antidote to the, na- to the news grind. And we didn't want any advertisement. We didn't want any profit maximiz- maximizing investors involved. We just wanted to go to the actual readers and say, if you want this kind of journalism to exist, help us fund it, and then we can launch it. And so we did a crowdfunding, and it was very successful, actually. The message of kind of unbreaking the news resonated. And we set a world record in crowdfunding. We raised $1.7 million in 30 days in a small country like the Netherlands with 17 million people. And ever since, we've been one of the fastest growing ad-free member-funded journalism platforms in Europe. We currently have over 60,000 paying members. And together, we kind of make newsworthy stories about things that are not on the news radar traditionally because they don't have these news pegs, but are very important in how the world actually works. Part of the rationale behind the correspondent is that its business model of being ad-free and member-supported helps inform its overarching news mission. The things that are wrong with news, focusing on these sensational, attention-grabbing exceptions to the rule, the underlying reasons for this to happen is pretty much the, the the financial incentives behind it. So if you have an ad-driven model, the basic economic model that you're in is attracting as much attention as you can because basically advertisers want eyeballs. Advertisers want to reach as many people as possible. And how do you do that? With kind of clickbait, sensational headlines. So if you want to produce very different kind of stories that that are not sensational, but more about the everyday structural realities around us, you have to start with changing the economic incentives behind it. That's why it was very important to get rid of the ad model uh, to begin with. The relationship between the correspondent and its members goes beyond just financial support. They also contribute their expertise and knowledge. We have a lot of people that support us and we call them ambassadors. And what they do is just help us spread the word, right? Right. We are a grassroots movement. We don't have big budgets to buy ads to uh, get our message in front of you. So we rely on these ambassadors who have their own social followings to say, hey, I support this and you should too. And all these people support us. They're not paid to do this. They support us because they think this kind of journalism is valuable. This kind of journalism is very much needed also right now. I mean, we live in pretty cynical, polarizing times. And a constructive dialogue about foundational issues they think is very important. So the people you you just mentioned, people like Jimmy Wales, the founder of Wikipedia, or 
Roseanne Cash, the, the musician, or Judd Apatow is one of our uh, ambassadors as well. All these people support us because they, they support our founding philosophy, our founding principles, and want this journalism to exist. The correspondent separates itself from other publications by adhering to a set of core principles. One is we want to give you journalism that goes beyond the news grind. That's the most fundamental one. We're going to be ad-free as well, completely member-funded. We are also very mindful of your privacy. The reason we can be very mindful of your privacy is because we don't have ads, so we don't need to collect any data on you. We don't want to know what kind of demographics you belong to as long as you support a member of our platform. That's all we need to know. So those fundamentals are pretty much the same. How we're going to be different from the media you already know in the English language is pretty much three things. We're going to have a very different take on what it means to be news, what, it, what newsworthy is. It's not going to be responding to the current events you see everywhere. That's number one. Two, the collaboration between members and journalists is an integral part. You see parts of that in other media. For example, Wikipedia is a famous example where kind of readers work on the articles you see on Wikipedia, but you, you don't see it much in journalism yet. And the third is the, the ad-free model. So those three things combined, the, what news is about, how it is made and how it is funded, that is going to be our distinguishing three features from, um, that sets us apart from all other media out there. Since its Dutch debut in 2013, the correspondent has learned a lot about how to deliver the news content its readers are interested in. Weinberg hopes to apply these lessons to the upcoming English language version. There are a lot of things we've learned over the, these uh, couple of years. I mean, the most simplest of things, like we started out, most of the journalists that work worked for us, they came from traditional, mostly print media. So we started out, for example, by publishing on the same time every day, just like you do at, at a newspaper, right? You send everything to the printing press. That's how we did our stories in the first couple of months. And then after a while, we were like, why are we doing this? Why aren't we just publishing these stories when they are, when they're finished, right? And also, we learn a lot about what we think is important as an organization by the journalism we did. So, for example, we have a privacy correspondent who dug into like the, the systematic privacy abuses of big online companies, right? Five years ago, this was not a, a particularly big story yet. This was kind of pre-NSA uh, well, maybe NSA was just hitting uh, that story, was ju just broke, but it was not kind of on our minds that Facebook was endangering our privacy, right? And that story got bigger and bigger as we dug into it more thoroughly. So actually, the whole privacy principle, we added in the, in the past couple of years. It wasn't in the original founding principles. Also, another principle we, we added is that we want to be as inclusive as possible. So, for example, here in the, in, in, uh, the English language, the correspondent will have a choose-what-you-pay pricing model. We, we, we started in the Netherlands, we started with a fixed fee. We changed that because we feel every person should be able to afford becoming a member of a quality journalism platform. So whether it's $5 you can afford or $500, that shouldn't matter. So we, we got rid of the fixed fee and we based our pricing model on an inclusive, more inclusive way of pricing it. So these are all things we kind of learned along the way. We have to emphasize that the correspondence will only be a reality if we 
reach our funding goal, which is two and a half million dollars before December 14th. If we don't hit that goal, the correspondent won't exist and people who, who contribute it will get their money back. Once we hit the goal, we know we can exist, then the platform will uh, launch. We will build a team and we will launch in the spring of 2019. And then if we hit the goal, then and the platform can actually exist and we will we'll build a team, we will hire correspondents to write, cover certain topics, then we will know what kind of stories uh, we will cover. Obviously, the way we work is we uh, let our correspondents, the correspondents we hire, to autonomously set their journalistic agenda themselves. It's not top-down like a, a more traditional media. So when, I'm not going to say this is the beat, cover this, because we feel the correspondent, the correspondents themselves are more of the expert and they will understand what they should be covering instead. So the agenda will not come from me. The agenda will come from the correspondents who, in collaboration with the readers they have, will decide on what to cover. But you can expect coverage about fundamental issues like, okay, past two decades of innovation brought us 20 new ways of ordering pizza, but why don't we still have, uh, why don't we have a cancer cure? What is it that, that keeps us from that? How can we shape the future of education and how will algorithms influence that? Uh, what will the future of borders and migration look like? And all this, we're trying to do in a, in, a, in a way that is called constructive journalism. So not just addressing the problems, but also talking about solutions to those problems. All of these plans for the English language version are still up in the air until the correspondent reaches its funding goal on December 14th. People can go to thecorrespondent.com. There they can sign up as a founding member. They can decide on the membership fee they want to pay themselves. It's a choose what you pay model. That membership fee will be good for a year worth of membership to the platform. And if we hit our goal of two and a half million, that will be our do or die moment. So go to thecorrespond.com, sign up as a founding member and help us launch this platform from the ground up. That was my conversation with Rob Weinberg, the founding editor of The Correspondent. Go ahead and follow his instructions and support this worthy online effort. As you may have noticed, the presentation of this week's It's All Journalism is a little bit different. Usually we have these conversations, uh, you know, me asking questions and and uh, talking to our guests. Here's a little bit of <laughs> behind the scenes how, how the sausage is made in the podcasting world. I was using an online uh, service, and I'm not going to say what it is, but it conked out a number of times when I was interviewing Rob and uh, – in the end, the audio that I got for him was pretty good, but the audio I had for myself was, wasn't really that great. It didn't match up well. So what I ended up doing was what, what we call in radio and in podcasting is sort of a ride-around in which I provide sort of interstitial narration to sort of bridge the different segments of the interview. Let me know if this is a style that you like and that you think would be good for a podcast. Um, I, I actually like the conversational aspect of our podcast, but would be happy to go to this if there's an overwhelming, hey, Mike, this is the type of podcasting you should be doing. Anyway, thanks for listening to our podcast. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming episodes. 
Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to produce an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. 